right, if you'd please stand with me, take your hymnals, and turn to hymn number 462. We're going to sing the first, the third, and the fourth verses of hymn number uh, 462, Higher Ground. The first verse says, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher Satan's darts at me are hurled. The song of saints on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. By faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height. Catch a gleam of glory bright, but some will pray till heaven I found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Amen. Come ahead, brother. Amen. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house tonight, isn't it? And uh, so thankful each one of you could be here. And uh, just, uh, uh, just a quick announcement. I know some have asked, is Pastor going to be here tonight? Well, obviously, no, he's not here tonight. All right. And uh, I know he didn't make any real big announcement about it, but he took uh, Luke and uh, it's his senior trip. And so they took him down to Branson for a few days and joined some family time. And I'm thankful that they could get away and do that. Amen. And uh, so that's where they're at. So just pray for them that they'll have a good uh, stress-free trip, all right? And uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing all the good things they had to do, got to do while they were down there. As we begin tonight, I'm going to ask Brother Gary Clark, would you pray for us uh, as we open tonight, please? Amen. You may be seated tonight. It's good to be here in our oasis in the desert, although it kind of feels the last couple of days a little bit like Antarctica out there. Uh, it's starting to get cold already, but uh, for those of you who like the cold, well, I don't mind it, but uh, it, it was pretty chilly the last couple of days, but good to have each one of you here tonight. I do want to leave some announcements with you uh, before we get into our prayer list this evening, but um, tomorrow... Uh, it's going to be warmer 
thankfully, uh, because uh, the school is going to be headed out to the Lewisburg Cider Mill tomorrow. And any parents that want to go are, of course, more than welcome to go with us. I did want to announce uh, to make sure everybody knows that their kids are not are not telling the, a lie when they come home and tell you they can come to school in their gym clothes tomorrow, okay? If they're going on the trip, they can do that. That is allowed tomorrow, and so just make sure that you're aware of that. We will leave at 10.30 in the morning, uh, hear from the school, and be back about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And if you need any more specifics on that, you can certainly get with me, and I can give those to you. Uh, this Friday night is a Foundation Builders activity, so if you're in our class, uh, it'll be at our house from 6.30 to 10 o'clock. And don't forget to bring some finger foods with you, and we'll have a good time of fellowship and play some board games and just enjoy the evening together. That's this Friday from 6.30 to 10. And then, ladies, don't forget, next Tuesday, all right, is the ladies' meeting here at the church over in the fellowship hall from 7 to 8.30. And that is a baby shower for Ms. Shelby Dalsing, who is coming up due here really soon. And so be a blessing to her. She's registered at Amazon and Target. So be here for that and be a blessing for her. And then next Friday is our harvest party, all right? And uh, we are excited about that, a good opportunity for us to be uh, reaching out into the community and inviting people to come. And uh, I know Pastor mentioned this, but this is an opportunity for people to come that that may not want to come to a service, but they can come there and we can uh, fellowship with them and be a blessing to them and, and invite them to church and have some good conversation there. So invite the people in your neighborhoods, uh, maybe coworkers, things like that. We're going to have a, um, some flyers out, uh, as you're dismissed tonight to, you can take with you. And if you know anyone that you think may want to come, uh, you can go ahead and certainly take a handful of those or, uh, even if you want to go canvas an area and take a neighborhood or your neighborhood and pass a lot of those out, please feel free to take those. We have about 500 of them, so you can take them and use them however uh, you like there and invite all those that you can. The buses will be running uh, next Friday night, so if they need a ride to get here or their kids that want to be picked up, just let them know uh, that uh, we can pick them up, have them call the church or let us know. We'd be happy to go by and uh, pick them up. And that will be from 7 o'clock to around 9 o'clock in the evening next Friday night. Also, one more thing about that, actually two more things. There's a candy bucket in the outer foyer, and so uh, we need you to bring bags of individually wrapped candy, all right? Don't bring us bags of jelly beans. That's really not going to do us a whole lot of good, okay? But if you can bring bags from Walmart of the, of the individually wrapped candy and just put it in that bucket, we're going to be giving out a lot of that, Next Friday night, we need all that we can get. If the bucket fills up, just pile it on the floor, okay? Uh, we, will, we will use all of it, I promise you. And uh, so if you can be a blessing, start bringing that in. Uh, we, we will uh, certainly use it all. And then um, there will be a sign-up sheet out. I messed up. I meant to put one out for tonight. I forgot, okay? So forgive me. But there will be a sign-up sheet out for workers uh, for that uh, by this Sunday morning. And so if you're able to come and help, uh, we could certainly use your help. We'll need help to run all the different inflatables and carnival games and um, popcorn and just all kinds of stuff that will be going on. And I know many of you have helped in the past and are probably looking forward to it again this year. And so just make sure you sign up there so we know we have enough workers uh, to cover all those areas. I, I'd really, just my heart, I, I'd really like for the teenagers that come, they're always willing to help and do. I'd like for them to just be able to enjoy the activity. Okay, they're still kids in my opinion, okay, and I don't know, they don't like to be called kids. Coming from a former youth director, trust me, they don't like to be called kids, but they're kids, okay, and I want them to be able to enjoy that. So if us as adults could fill those roles and and run those activities, um, that would be a real blessing. So when I get that sign-up sheet out, please uh, make sure you sign up and help us out for next Friday night, all right?
And uh, I think that is it, except if you are going to be a worker, make sure you're here by about 6.30, okay, so we can give you some instruction and you're not showing up right at 7, okay? If you have to work and you're a little later, that's okay, but try not to show up right on time so you actually know the game and know what you're doing before we start. That would be a real blessing, all right? Let's go and get our prayer list out tonight, and uh, we'll go through some things here on that. Just some things that I had put down, of course, on mine is continue to pray for uh, Ms. Carolyn Moore. It's good to know that she was out of the hospital and back uh, over at the, uh, the assisted living home there. But uh, keep her in your prayers, of course, and Ms. Doris Clark there. They're both on the top left-hand column of the prayer list. Um, and is she still home, Brother Clark, and doing okay? Good. Amen. All right. So that's a, that's a real blessing. But uh, keep them in your prayers for sure. And then... Um, uh, pastor asked me to mention this tonight. Um, Mike Pierce, that's a good friend of, uh, of uh, Brother Parker's. And, um, of course, uh, you know, Jack and Laura were growing up, called him Uncle Mike, and he did. He passed away yesterday. Uh, so if you would uh, remember uh, the Pierce family and your prayers for bereavement, I know they would certainly appreciate that. And then uh, some were asking about uh, little Jalen. Uh, she, maybe you heard or did not hear, um, but uh, she had a little spout there on um, Sunday night and Monday. But... Uh, is home. Isn't that right, Brother Parker? Still doing good. She is home and doing much better. So, uh, But keep her in your prayers that uh, she'll continue to um, heal up from the sickness that she had, and um, I know they would appreciate that. Is there anyone else that uh, would like to add a prayer request tonight? Um, yes, Brother Waters. Oh, my. Okay, so you said his name is Derek or Eric? Eric, That's a great name, just spelled the wrong way. All right. Um, Okay, so Eric Rhodes, spelled E-R-I-C-K, we'll forgive him for that. But keep him in your prayers, all right? And um, uh, so there's a disease in the blood there. All right. Anyone else tonight? Yes, Miss Kristen. Okay. Okay. Yes, absolutely. All right, so they're going to be moving Miss Kristen's mom up here, so keep that in prayer. And Brother Will had his liver tests, his annual liver test this week, right? And he had it yesterday. So uh, waiting on the results for that, praying for good results from that. And keep him in your prayers. I know he's out of town for work and uh, traveling, so keep him in your prayers as he's out of town. Anyone else tonight? Yes, Ms. Edler. Yes. Sure. Okay. Amen. Absolutely. So keep Ms. Edler in your prayers as she is looking for... Um, a place to live, and uh, in this market, that's not been an easy thing uh, to find a place that's affordable and things like that. So keep her in your prayers. I know she'd appreciate that. Anyone else? Yes, Brother Matt. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Hmm. Okay. I'll put that down there. So if you missed that, uh, that's Sienna. That's uh, Brother Matt, Miss Amy's niece, who has Down syndrome and uh, just struggling with some health complications there with a nasal cavity and breathing complications. So. All right. Yes, Ms. Lowe's. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And she's, um, so it's good to have Brother Roy here tonight. I know Lauren's next door. Um, but uh, yeah, Sue's been traveling. She's moving a friend of hers from, what was it, Oregon to Texas? Is that what it is? Yeah, down to Texas, right? Yeah, so doing a lot of traveling there. So keep, uh, keep her in your prayers as she's traveling for sure. All right. Anyone else tonight? Okay, let's go ahead and have our men come forward if they would please and we'll take our offering for tonight. I'm thankful we have a God that answers our prayers, aren't you? And uh, it's, uh, I was looking back uh, the other day at prayer lists and our prayer list sure has grown, but it's sure been a blessing to see a lot of prayers answered over the last month and uh, some being able to be taken off. And so I'm so thankful that the Lord hears our prayers, amen. Ask Brother Parker, would you please pray for all these tonight? Amen.
our most recent uh, prayer letter from the uh, Freeman family, Brother uh, Ricky and Miss Angela Freeman, our missionaries to Argentina. He says, we trust this prayer letter finds you healthy and blessed in your part of the world. We are thankful to report we arrived back safe and sound in Argentina on September 1st. We're so thankful to say that upon our arrival, we found our home as well as the church in order. The men really stepped up to the plate and grew in their role of taking care of their local church. They took their responsibilities seriously and were a great team. They learned a valuable lesson in our absence. As missionaries, our goal has been and continues to be establishing an autonomous church. Needless to say, we are thrilled to see all the training and preparation being put into practice. No sooner than we had arrived back, we hit the ground running. Our weeks are filled with the normal church services and activities, plus Bible classes, discipleship classes, seminary classes, developing materials in Spanish, and so many other things in order to help the church people grow in their faith, as well as helping them be better prepared to serve the Lord. As they say here in Argentina, our days are full, full. Along with the joys of ministry, we have had some struggles as well, especially with health problems. Many of our church people have been sick. Angela has been struggling over the past month as well and came down with bronchitis. She is still not 100%, so please keep her as well as myself in your prayers for good health. We would like to ask, uh, ask you to consider helping us with an important need we have at this time. As with any camp facilities, there are always needs that arise over time. Each year we do our best to keep the facilities in working order, making improvements where needed. With camp season just three months away, we are working hard to get things prepared and in order. We have found out that we need to replace all the sewer lines at the camp due to old age, and some of them have been destroyed by tree roots. The goal is to not only replace all of them, but also add three special sewage tanks as well. Uh, it all costs a large amount of money. Unfortunately, the inflation in Argentina continues to rise greatly, so the price is more than what we have to cover all the cost. It will end up being around $5,000. Uh, this improvement is certainly a must, and we must get it done as soon as possible. Uh, youth camps are so important for our ministry, so we want to do our best to have the facilities in working order for our upcoming camp season. So please pray for this need, and if the Lord leads, please help us uh, financially take care of this as well. Uh, so here's their, la their prayer request. He says, Argentina in particular needs prayers. There are some pretty serious economic issues at present. Because of major inflation, r prices continue to rise every day. Crime continues to increase, and there are some important moral issues at stake as well. Because of the inflation, please pray for our monthly support and that it will be sufficient to meet the rising costs. And please pray for all the preparations for our summertime activities, such as Christmas. Uh, it's weird thinking of Christmas in the summer, but that the southern hemisphere. Uh, so our, our summer activities, such as Christmas uh, activities and especially youth camps that start in the month of January. And also, please pray for God's protection on, on us as well as good health. So a good update there. Glad to see they were able to hit the ground running, but continue to pray for them as they're dealing with uh, health issues as well as this uh, somewhat unexpected uh, major uh, financial issue as far as getting the, the sewer lines and all that replaced there at their camps. <clears throat> Pardon me. Brother Whitney, would you pray for the Freemans as well as our other missionaries, please?
Amen. All right, if you'd stand again, take your hymnals, turn to hymn number 440. We're going to sing a shelter in the time of storm. Again, we'll sing the first, the third, and the fourth verses of hymn number 440. The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide, a shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever will be tied, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock and a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock and a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. The raging storms may round us beat, a shelter in the time of storm. Never leave our safe retreat, a shelter in the time of storm. Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Amen. If you go ahead and stay standing, get your Bibles out, as we'll prepare for the message. Thank you, Brother Tim. If you would, go ahead and take your Bible and turn to Psalm chapter 4. Psalm chapter 4 tonight. I thank Pastor for allowing me to preach, and never take that lightly, and I sure appreciate him entrusting me with that. And we're going to read Psalm chapter 4. Unlike other psalms, I was, I was joking with a couple of the men before the service. They said, where are you at tonight? I said, Psalm 4. They said, you're in Psalm 4 already? Wow, that's fast for you. I said, yeah, we're, we're cruising right along. We've already, we've already made through the first three chapters. But uh, actually, tonight, we're going to make it through all the way through Psalm 4 tonight, if you can believe that. Um, and uh, if the Lord will allow and help me. Uh, but let's go ahead and read Psalm 4. We'll read all eight verses together tonight. Psalm of David, it says, Hear me when I call. O God of my righteousness, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. And that's going to be our theme verse of this chapter Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for Thou, Lord, only makest me 
dwell in safety. I'm going to preach to you tonight on this subject. True increase comes from God. True increase comes from God. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. Lord, thank You that we can turn to You. We don't have to look to the things of this world. And uh, so, Lord, I pray tonight that You would just allow me to proclaim what uh, You've laid on my heart, Lord, that You give me clarity of thought, that You fill me with Your Holy Spirit, Lord, and uh, that uh, this message would be a blessing uh, to the hearers tonight, Lord, and it would be a help to somebody that's here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated tonight. You may or may not have heard this story before, but in November 1975, there were 75 convicts that started digging a secret tunnel. They dug this tunnel to bring them out on the other side of the wall of a prison in Salt, in Salt in, I can't even say this name, Saltillo, I think it's how you say it, Saltillo in northern Mexico. On April 18th, 77, uh, 1976, these 75 prisoners dug their tunnel and they came up outside the wall of the prison. The only problem was they came out in the middle of the courtroom where the jury had been summons to come and give them their sentence. They came right out in the middle of the courtroom. This surprised the judges when this happened, and they returned all 75 convicts to inside the prison. I tell you that to say this. These men wanted freedom, didn't they? They wanted what they wanted, and they were going to do it in whatever way they could. They insisted on doing it their way, but it ultimately gained them nothing except more hurt and more heartache and more prison time, undoubtedly. In Psalm 4, I think if we're going to have the proper context of this passage of Scripture, we're going to first need to understand the underlying situation that's going on at this point in time. Now, when I, I read this psalm over and over and over and over again, because it just seemed to me that, that it was going one direction, but when you got to the middle of the psalm, it seemed like the rest of it didn't make any sense. So I read it over and over and over again, and while it seemed that the, that the, that the point of this was obvious, I, I think a, a little closer look at it might shed some light on some things. And so I'm hoping to bring that out tonight and hoping that the Lord will allow me to uh, make this clear tonight. Unlike a lot of the other psalms, such as Psalm 3 that we just came through, the, the context of this psalm isn't clearly stated. So figuring out exactly what's going on took a little time, but I, I believe once we dissect it, you'll see exactly what David was dealing with and, and, and honestly how this directly applies to us today. All right, The Bible is not outdated, okay? And we, we need to remember that. And, and so I, I believe this is, this is a timely passage here. Now, when I, I'm going to tell you, first of all, kind of how it looks to appear if you, if you don't see it in another way. So just bear with me, all right? So when I first began looking about this, it seemed to me that this, this psalm was all about David being slandered by his enemies. Because that's kind of how it appears there at the beginning of the, of the passage. And, and he was asking God for help, which would, which would make sense because that's what was happening back in Psalm 3, right? That we just came through. 
But look at verse number two. Verse number two says, O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? So it looks like they're slandering him. That's kind of how it appears here. How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? But look at verse number six of chapter three. He says, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Go back and look at verse number two also of chapter number three. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. So you see, in Psalm 3, he's dealing with these people that are slandering him. They're they're putting him down. They're mocking him. We went through all of that. I'm not going to go back and go all the way through through Psalm 3 again because we won't finish Psalm 4. All right. But it it would appear that he's dealing with the same thing here at the beginning of chapter 4. And so my thoughts were initially going to this, but... If you, if, you, if you look at verse number 1 of Psalm 4, he says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. It would appear that the same thing is going on. He calls out to God in verse 1 as he has many times before. He says, O God of my righteousness. So we understand here that, that God is the one who can attest to David's righteousness. However, despite the righteousness of David and God being willing to back it up, there were apparently men of Israel that were were still slandering him. That's how it appears. Look at verse number two again. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? So David asks them the question, how long are you going to turn my glory into shame? And it would seem that these men here are questioning David's righteousness. That's how it began to appear to me. They, they, they were questioning him. They were slandering him. They were questioning his integrity. We know, however, that these men are, are what they're saying is nonsense. We understand that because God would back up what David was saying. David then tells these men in the next part of that verse that they They need to stop loving what is worthless and trying to be and and stop trying to be deceivers. That's what he's saying. And that is true. These things are are accusing these these men are accusing David of and, and the things they're accusing him of. They're worthless. It means nothing. And he says, stop it. Now look at verse number three in our text. He says, but know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. David then tells these men in the next part of that verse that they need to, they need to stop loving these things. And it appears that the Lord has, has set apart the godly man, no matter what others are saying, that, that God's going to be there for him and that God hears David. And we'll find out later that, that part of this is true, but it's not. it just wasn't jiving in my mind. It wasn't working out. So, when I initially was looking at this passage, this is what I, were, what I was thinking that the underlying interpretation was. I was thinking, David is righteous, but some people are lying about him. And, 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 and it's making David sound like he isn't righteous. And to be honest, a lot of commentators kind of said the same thing. But I found that, you know what, we don't need to look to commentators for everything, do we? Because they can be wrong. And so, as I begin to look a little farther, 
in the text. With the previous thought in mind, the remainder of the psalm doesn't really make any sense. If you just look at the first three verses, that, that kind of seems where it's going. But nothing else after verse 4 fits that previous interpretation of, of David being slandered by his enemies. Think about it for a minute. Why tell the enemies to tremble and sin not? doesn't make any sense. This is, this is literally how the word awe is interpreted there in verse 4. Tremble. Why would David say that? Why would he tell them to commune with their own heart upon their bed? That, that literally has the idea of them going to sleep at night and thinking about what they're doing, meditating on what they're doing, to think things over. Why would he say that? Why would he tell them to offer sacrifices and trust in the Lord? What does that have to do with men slandering him? Didn't make any sense to me. You could also ask the same questions about the remaining verses in this passage. And I'm not going to go through every one because that's not what the passage is even talking about. If we're to look at the psalm in the context that David is being slandered, none of the rest of it makes any sense. So how about we let Scripture interpret Scripture? Because that's what it does, right? I think as we do this, we'll see a much deeper meaning to this passage tonight. And find out that it is a wonderful and timely, encouraging passage to read. Because it applies to where we live today. I previously believed that there is a much better scenario, or I'm sorry, I personally, said the wrong word, personally believe that there's a much better scenario that will better explain Psalm 4 and the things that David says in verses 4 through 8. To begin this, I want to draw your attention to verse number 7. So let's go there tonight. Psalm 4, 7. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time their corn and their wine increased. I want to start by focusing on the words corn and wine abounding. To begin with, I think as Baptists, we can all agree tonight that we love food. We love food. That's why when we have uh, any kind of banquet, we're going to have our Thanksgiving banquet coming up, or we just had the preachers meeting and all the preachers, you know, from the Midwestern states showed up and... We entice them with food. No, that's not really what we're doing. But we want to be a blessing to them, right? And so we, we feed them food. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes, I mean, we're going to have a, a fellowship here in just a couple of weeks on a Sunday night, and we're going to have food afterward. That's why at the class activity Friday night, we invited everybody said, bring some food. Why? Because we love to eat, right? Nothing wrong with that. Whenever we have banquets, that's what we do. Well, in ancient Israel, when the corn and wine were in abundance, that was a happy time. That was a happy time. That was a joyous time. Everything was, was going great. The, the harvest was in. The harvest was taking place. And everyone at that time would have been excited. That's just how things went. That was a time of joy and celebration. The crops were coming in in abundance and everyone was being satisfied. What a joyous time. However, look at verse number 6. There be many that say, Who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. It doesn't sound here like these people were very joyous. It doesn't sound like they're very happy to me. It doesn't sound like they're excited because the crop is coming in. It sounds to me like they're complaining. There were people that were asking, who, who will show us any good? 
That confused me because it's harvest time. They shouldn't be asking that. They should be thankful. They should be excited. They should be joyous. But it's not written there. The crops were in abundance. There was plenty of grain. There was plenty of wine. Well, at least there should have been. Living in Kansas my whole life, I grew up out in the country. Still go out there pretty regularly. Drive out to my parents' house. We, my mom still owns the house out there. And there's, there's fields that we drive by. They have corn, milo, beans, wheat, whatever they're growing. You know what? There's times, though, as gr- growing up as a kid, I can remember that we would have a lot of rain. I mean a lot of rain. To the point where a lot of the crops could have been ruined because they couldn't get in to get the crop out in time. It's too muddy or, or whatever the case may be. There was other times, as we've experienced this year, where it's really dry. We've been in a drought. And the crop is not going to yield as much as it normally would. Sometimes there's years like that. You've got to understand that in ancient Israel, most of them were farmers. That was their, not just their job, that was their livelihood. Okay? That's what they depended on, not just for uh, their living, but for the lives of their family and the lives of their, their children and their, and, their, and their livestock and all this that was going on. They were farmers and they depended on this. This made me think of the life of Joseph and how God used the famine in the land to bring Joseph's brothers back to him. You remember the story, right? There was a great famine. They were farmers. They had no food. Everything was gone. And God used Joseph through a series of events. I think you all know the story. We're not going to go through it all tonight. But to become the prime minister at that time of Egypt, he was the second in command. And God spoke to him and he stored up all the grain that they would need for those seven years of famine. And so he, he, he used that to bring Joseph's brothers to him. Why did they come to him? Because if they didn't have their food, they were going to die. So this was a serious time. So when the seasons didn't yield good crops, things began to look pretty bleak. They began to look pretty scary. If they didn't have food, they would obviously starve to death. So I think what we're seeing here is we're seeing some Israelites that are lacking in faith, first of all. I'm just going to point that out. And I think we'll see that as we go through here. They're, they're faithless. They're disobedient in, in, in times like this. Well, you like to think that they would place their trust in God, wouldn't you? But instead, they find themselves turning to false gods. They find themselves turning to the gods of the Canaanites. And we'll see that here in just a little bit. Sometimes it might have seemed like God wasn't listening or God didn't seem to care about them. Sometimes in the Old Testament, God would withhold rain from them as a form of punishment to get them to turn from their sins, to get them to repent and turn back to Him. But instead of turning back to Him, they would try their own ways, wouldn't they? They would try to do things on their own. They would, they would live in their sinful ways. They would turn to things like Baal worship, the God of rain. They would do this. Oh boy, you pray to Him and He's sure to uh, bring the rain. He's sure to give you the crops that you need. That's Baal's job, according to the Canaanites. They, they lived down the street there and they said that, yeah, He's going to bring the rain. Just pray to Him because your God's not coming through for you. So just turn to the false gods. Listen, 
Those pagan God worshipers, listen to them because they know what they're talking about. Let me tell you, they're right on it. You do remember those Canaanites, right? Those were the same ones that Israel was supposed to drive out of the land back in the book of Deuteronomy and Exodus, but they didn't drive them out of the land. And when God gave them the command to do that, this, this, this was not so much about the, the people themselves and about their cultural practices. It was more about their idol worship is why he wanted them to be driven out of the land. But they didn't do that. They let them stay. So you say, well, there, is there any mention of false gods here in Psalm chapter 4? Well, actually, yes, there is. Look at verse number 2. O ye sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? David here questions how long that these, these faithful or these faithless Israelites will turn his glory into shame. You might say, I don't see any mention of false gods in that phrase. Well, look back with me at the previous psalm. Psalm 3 and verse number 3. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory. You see that right there, right? My glory and the lifter up of mine head. David's glory, remember from the previous messages, was God himself. That was his glory. So when he says in verse number four, or verse number, uh, I'm sorry, verse number uh, two, O sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? He's saying here, how long are you going to shame my God by turning to other gods? Hmm. How are they doing that? Well, look at the next phrase in verse number two. The next phrase says, how long will you love vanity and seek after Leasing in the Hebrew, that word vanity literally means emptiness, emptiness. These faithless Israelites are loving emptiness and they're seeking or following after a lie. And I would submit to you that the context of this passage would make it make perfect sense that they would be turning and following after the false gods of the Canaanites once again to make their life better instead of turning to the living and the true God of heaven that has been there for them time and time and time again. He's not answering in the time that they want, so they turn to false gods. And he says, you're turning my glory into shame. Hmm. Think about it. They need rain, don't they? If this is really the underlying passage or the underlying uh, context of what's going on here. I believe it is. They need rain. And God isn't giving it to them. So let's turn to Baal to see what he can do for us. This is where we get the title for tonight's message. Because you see, what these Israelites had forgotten was that their true increase can only come from God. It's not going to come from idol Baal worship. It's not going to come from the things of this world, if you will. It's only going to come from God. So let's take a look again at verse number one. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Now this is interesting. Because we see here that David simply, he's asking God to hear his prayer. And that prayer, we'll look at here in a couple of minutes, actually is in verse number six, but I want you to look at the end of verse number one just for a minute. 
Because David says here that the Lord has enlarged him. Now that's an interesting word that actually has to do with making wide or, or, or extending or to provide wide room for something. Now this is interesting because the word distress in that same verse, the word distress there can also be translated a narrow place. A narrow place. So if we're to put these two things together, here's what we come up with. David is saying that in a very narrow place in his life, a very difficult place in his life, if you would want to say it that way, somehow God extended him. Somehow God enlarged him. In other words, he increased. David, somehow God increased him that we don't know just yet. But that's how David starts off the song. Look at it again. Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me. Thou hast increased me when I was in a tight place. Well, how, how exactly did he do that? Well, David says that he's found himself in a narrow place, a tight spot. That's interesting to me because in our vernacular, I got to thinking about this, when, when finances aren't going right, we use terms like this. We're, we're pinched. You ever used that expression before? We're pinched. Or, or money's tight right now. Hmm. That's exactly what David's saying here. He's finding himself somehow in a narrow place. Things are tight. He's being pinched, if you will. He's experiencing drought like everyone else. Don't think for a minute that if this drought's going on, that somehow David's not experiencing at all. He's going through the same thing that everyone else is going through, only with a different mindset, you see. David then says that the Lord is going to enlarge him. He's depending on the Lord to give him the increase in the middle of his trial. Say, I don't always do that. Neither do I. But we should. We should. Now hold on to that thought for just a minute. Let's look at verses 2 through 5. I promise we're going somewhere with this, okay? So just hang on. Verses 2 through 5. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly, That's an important word there, and we're going to get to that. You say it's not even capitalized. Oh, I understand that. But it's important, I promise. Him that is godly for himself, the Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. We see here that David, he's beginning to rebuke these Israelites for seeking the increase in the wrong way. That's pretty obvious. You you see, they're not seeking for the Lord to provide the increase that they need. Verse 2 says they're seeking after leasing or or deception or falsehood. In other words, they're seeking for for false gods to help them gain the increase that they're desiring. They're seeking for these false gods to give them the rain that they need so their their crops will flourish and so that the the wine can abound that we read about in verse number 7. So so what are we reading here in these verses down through 5? Well, David is giving these faithless idolatrous Israelites 
some heartfelt counsel is really what he's doing. Because he realizes that instead of, instead of them turning to the Lord for their needs, they're, they're turning to idol worship. For, or you might say they're, they're looking to everything in the world to satisfy them and to help them instead of turning to God. That's what they're doing. They were looking to their idols for their increase. And David is literally asking them questions, trying to get them to realize how foolish they're being. He's saying to them, can't you see? Can't you see how foolish you're being right now? I thought about my own children. (laughs) Thought about myself growing up. Times that I was doing something and someone in an authority somewhere, whether it was my parents or, 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 or one of my teachers at school or my supervisor at school. <laughs> what are you think? What were you thinking? I have no idea. <laughs> I think we've all been there at some point in time. If we're going to be honest, what were you thinking? Well, you know, spiritual things, sometimes we get the same thing. It's like we start reading the word of God and God's trying to tell us the same thing. What in the world are you thinking? We have to stand before God and say, I'm sorry, God, I really don't know. I'm just a wicked, sinful, faithless, and a lot of times idolatrous person that starts putting everything else before you. And if we're going to be honest tonight, all of us in here could say we've been there. And that's what David is saying here to these people. You're turning from God. You're turning to idols to achieve what only the Lord can give you. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? They were seeking for increase in the wrong way. Now look at verse number 6. There be many that say, Who will show us any good? Lord? Lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. In verse 6, David tells them that if they want to have the increase, they need to stop looking for it in the false gods like Baal and to look to the Lord for their increase. That's why he asks the Lord to lift up his countenance upon them. You, you, you want a, har- a harvest farmer? Don't seek Baal for the crops to increase. Seek after the Lord and pray to him. That's where the harvest is going to come from. That's what David's trying to get these people to see. But these people who have been supposedly praying to God for this help and not getting their prayers answered were doing this with a wrong heart. They were doing this with a wrong heart that that truly did not love God. And David brings that out here. They were doing this with a heart that, that didn't love God. And that's why David said... What he said in verse number three, look at that again. He says, but know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. This word godly there is translated in the Hebrew word kehesed. Now, I'd never done a study on this before, so I thought, well, that's an interesting word. What does that mean? This literally means a loyal covenant love. A loyal covenant love. David is trying to tell them that the godly, the ones who have this type of love in their heart to the Lord, the ones who are truly loyal to Him in their heart, (laughs) 
The ones that show this type of love in their heart to the Lord, the ones that are truly loyal to him in their heart. And God, by the way, does know our heart, doesn't he? The ones who love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength, the ones who, who they're the ones that God hears and that God blesses because they're keeping up their end of the bargain, if you will. They're keeping up their end of the covenant. God hears and blesses their prayers because they're keeping up their side of the covenant to serve him, to make him first in their lives. But then he's what he's saying to them. But you who are just pretending. You're you're not truly sold out for the Lord. You call on him, you, you desire for him to bless your life, you desire for him to hear your prayers. And then you don't get what you want. You turn to the false gods. Do you know what that tells God? That your heart wasn't in the right place to begin with. Because if it was, you wouldn't have quit on him. You wouldn't have given up on him. You wouldn't have turned to the world for help instead of him. And what he's telling them here is he's saying, you're just wasting your breath. You're just wasting your time because God does know your true intentions. He does know your heart. And he's not going to bless a heart like that. But David was such a person that had that type of love that God required. And God heard David. That's why he could say at the end of that verse, for uh, godly for himself, for the Lord will hear when I call unto him. Why? Because David's heart was real. He had a real heart for the Lord and God knew it and God would hear it. And God would bless his prayers. That's the problem with these idolaters. They're not being heard by God. Why? Because their lives are void of this kind of love for the Lord. And consequently, they're they're chasing after these idols. They can't help them at all. But look at verse number four. You might ask, well, are these people hopeless then? What's going to happen to them? Well, he tells them, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. These people are not hopeless. When David points out their sinful ways, he he tells them how they should respond. He tells them you need to to stand in awe. This this word, as I said earlier, is literally translated tremble. Tremble. And sometimes in Scripture, uh, this can mean uh, to be angry, but, but not in this case. In this case, David is literally telling them, tremble with fear. Tremble with fear. Now listen. Anytime someone points out something that we are doing that goes directly against the word of God, I think all of us in this room tonight would do pretty good to tremble in fear. And that's what he's trying to tell these people here. Tremble, tremble in fear. You're not, it's not hopeless. You, you, there's help for you. They've been completely wrong in the way they've been going about obtaining what they desire. So he tells them, he tells them to, to fear and, and stop their sinning. Stop looking to idols. He tells them that when they're, when they're laying in bed at night, they better be reconsidering the choices that they're making. Instead of trying to hatch out new schemes in their mind, reconsider your mindset. Reconsider your thinking. Stop looking to the false gods. Start looking to the God of heaven. Start making sure your heart is right with him all the time. Don't sin, he says, be still. Then ultimately, they ought not to be sacrificing to false gods. They ought to be offering their sacrifices to the God. 
the Lord. And the Lord wants sacrifices, by the way, that are done with a right heart, that are done with, that are done with clean hands and a pure heart. These were the kind that please God. These were the kind of sacrifices of righteousness that he's speaking about here. And yet, while David is writing this, there, there's apparently many, though, who are still seeking help from this drought by turning to idols. So David begins in verse number six by saying, There be many that say, Who will show us any good? As if to say these idolaters are going around saying, well, we tried the Lord. That didn't work out. (laughs) You you say we can't pray to Baal. What are we going to do then, David? We need rain. If we can't get help from the Lord and, and you say we can't pray to Baal, then what do we do? Starve to death? What exactly do you suppose that we do, David? I love David's response here because, you see, we all know that David wasn't perfect, was he? He definitely had his problems and his times where he didn't do what God wanted and he made mistakes just like we all do. But David knew the answer to their problems because David was one who put his faith and trust in God. And he knew that God was the answer. And so he begins to show them how they can seek increase in the right way. He begins to counsel them to change their way of thinking. Look again at verse number six. He says, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. David begins to pray to the Lord. This prayer also shows these idolaters, these idolatrous people, what they are to be doing. Now, this prayer might sound familiar to some of you because It's actually, he's quoting the priestly blessing that was given back in the book of Numbers in chapter number 6. So let's go back to the book of Numbers just for a few minutes. Keep your place there in Psalm 4 because we're going to be going back there. Numbers chapter number 6. We're going to read verses 23 through 27. The Lord spake, I'm sorry, verse 22 says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Look at verse 26. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Sound familiar? David just said that in chapter 4. Lord lift up thy countenance upon us. And they shall put, verse 27, and they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. That is exactly what they needed right there. They needed the blessing of the Lord on them instead of some useless blessing of some useless idols that couldn't help anyone or anything. They needed the blessing of the Lord. They needed God to bless them. They needed God to keep them. They needed God to shine His face upon them. They needed God to be gracious to them. They needed God to give them peace. They needed God to bless them. Idols, the things of this world, they won't do it. They won't do it. Israel needed the Lord, and so do you and I. (laughs) It's that simple tonight. It's not a real deep thing. Israel needed God. And so do we. Stop looking to the things of this world 
to satisfy you. Because they never will. They never will. You're just wasting your time. So David prays that the Lord will do these things for his people. Now look at verse number 7. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. Just because David was godly doesn't mean that he was exempt from what was going on. Doesn't mean that he was exempt from the drought that was happening. He was experiencing it just like everyone else. Don't think for a minute that his crops weren't suffering because they were. Don't think for a minute that his family wasn't affected because no doubt it was. However, David tells them here and gives us an example of what true increase really is. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. These Israelites were putting all their focus on physical and material gain. And those things are not bad in and of themselves always, but when that's all you live for, that's wicked. When that's your main focus, there's a problem. David, on the other hand, other hand tells them that his joy comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from those material things. It doesn't come from all the provisions that he could gain for himself. It comes from the Lord. He reiterates again what he said in Psalm 3.3 when he said, Thou art the lifter up of mine head. Now remember, this doesn't mean that his head was cut off. (laughs) This means that he was the restorer of his joy. He was the lifter up of his head. His joy came from the Lord. He says that he, he gets more joy from the Lord than when the idolaters gather all their crops and get all their happiness because that's all they live for. And you know what? Those people who live for crops, they're really happy when they come in because that is all they live for. And the other times when things aren't going so good, you don't see the joy of the Lord in those people. If this is their main goal in life, it's a pretty sad goal. But this wasn't David's main goal in life. David's main goal in life was to please the Lord. And because of that, his joy, true joy, the true increase in life came from God. The true joy, the true increase, the the true enlargement, if you will, in David's life came from the Lord. David is he's filled with the peace from God that he that 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 he says there that God will provide. He's going to give all the increase for all his needs. He's not worried about the things that are coming along in, in his life at this point because he's depending just upon what God and you know God will do. And he knows God is going to take care of him. He says, "Thou hast put gladness in mine heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased." The Lord made David happier than those that were so happy when their crops came in, even when things weren't going well at all. Even when he was being deprived of the things that made others happy, he was happier than them because he had the Lord and that was all he needed. How many times do we find ourselves 
depending upon our circumstances and the things of life for our joy. If that's the case, I would say in many respects, many times we might not be a whole lot better than these Israelites that he's talking to here. Because we look for the increase, the enlargement, the joy, the happiness in the wrong places. And I'm not going to stay here tonight and tell you that I'm never guilty of that because I am. We all are, aren't we? When we really need to be looking to God for all these things. The source of joy and happiness for those that don't know the Lord as their Savior is stuff. It's stuff. Corn, food, drink, wine, money, clothes, houses, cars, boats, jobs, careers, sometimes children. You fill in the blank, but that's the extent of their happiness. So what happens when that happiness isn't there, when it's gone? What happens when that, ha- that happiness never even comes? Then what? Well, the joy and happiness leaves with it, doesn't it? Or the joy and happiness may never come at all. But for those of us who know Christ as our Savior and have Him in our hearts, we should be always happy. Because according to verses like Deuteronomy 31.6 and Hebrews 13.5, and there's several others, the, the Lord never fails us. The Lord never forsakes us. The Lord never leaves us. And sometimes things get hard and things get difficult and money gets tight and we find ourselves being pinched. Well, who do we look to? Our flesh wants to start looking to the things of this world. The idols. The ways that we can fix it. But we need to be looking to God to fix it. We need to be looking to Him because that's where the only joy is going to come from. When we have His joy in our lives all the time, no matter our circumstances, He can provide our increase when He's good and ready to. When it's His time. And by the way, His time is never a moment too soon or a moment too late. It always comes right on time. Every time. Well, but it didn't come when I wanted it to. Well, that's your time, you see. Well, it didn't come when I needed it then you didn't need it. But I did need it. It'll come when you need it. But I need to start looking at all the, I need to start figuring things out. That's, that's our flesh. But we don't need to start figuring things out. We need to get on our face before God and cry out to Him and have a heart that truly is committed to Him no matter what the circumstance and look to Him for the increase. Because having Him is better than anything this world has to offer. He never leaves us and the joy He gives is unending. You see, so if if everything... I think of Job. Everything was taken away from Job. Everything. But Job never cursed God. Job stayed true to God. Did did that mean that Job never had a thought, Lord, why are you doing this? The Bible didn't say he never had that thought. But he still trusted in God. And his joy was in him and him alone. And that joy is better than any joy that anyone can derive from a bunch of stuff. It's just stuff. I remember growing up, my parents saying that. 
When we pass away, just sell it all. But mom, those are things that I loved about you. It's just stuff. Means nothing. (laughs) You can't take it to heaven with you. I love that. The only thing we'll take to heaven is our children. (laughs) You better invest in them, right? Whole nother message there, but you can't take all the stuff with you. And our joy shouldn't be in all that stuff. If you're under the sound of my voice tonight, whether you're in this room or listening on the live stream and you've been looking to the things of this world for your joy, let me tell you tonight, it'll never satisfy you. It'll never satisfy you. You need to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone because He alone will satisfy. Nothing else. For those of us who already know Christ as our Savior, Satan would like nothing better than for us to get so focused on the stuff of this old world. And for us to get our eyes off the one that the true joy and blessings really come from. True increase comes from God. So let's look at the last verse, number eight. He says, I will lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. You know what it sounds to me like David's doing here? It sounds to me like he's praising the Lord because the Lord is where David really finds his safety. The Lord is really where he finds his security. Even if the crops didn't come in, and he didn't know if they would or wouldn't, God will still take care of him and his family. And he had that comfort. David isn't going to fear if things don't turn out the way that he planned for them to turn out. If they don't don't happen exactly like I think they should, how many times are we guilty of that? David isn't going to fear if things don't turn out the way he hoped or planned. He knows that the Lord has promised to provide for all his needs. So what's he saying here? I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. You've heard that before? Don't lose any sleep over it. It'll all be okay. That's easier said than done. But let me tell you something. If we're really going to place our faith and trust in the Lord for everything, we really shouldn't lose any sleep over it. If we're living in the will of God and following Him like we should, and our heart is where it should be, we shouldn't fear. Because God promises that He's going to take care of all of our needs. If you remember back in Psalm 3, David said that he could lay down and sleep. But things are different in this situation. (laughs) Because when he was laying down and sleeping then, he was fleeing for his life. He was fleeing from his son Absalom and all those enemies that were about to kill him. But that doesn't mean that in this passage, David's life is not still in danger. It was very much in danger. Because if he didn't get food, they were going to die. Still reason to be afraid. If rain doesn't come and the crops don't grow, he's still going to die. He just simply wasn't worried about it. Why? Because the Lord, not the idols, made him to dwell in safety. He isn't going to fear famine or drought because he knows that God is with him. So he praises the Lord for doing only what the Lord can do. And that is to provide the increase to, to sustain his life. You see... Because true increase comes from God, not from anything else. So Christian, let me ask you tonight, what are you going to do with, when things don't turn out like you planned? 
When things just don't seem to be going our way. When things get tight. When the finances get pinched. When the job you have goes away. And I I don't know if you've looked around lately. Or maybe you're living under a rock somewhere. But things aren't getting better in our world today. Things are getting worse. We ate spaghetti on Sunday. Let me tell you something. Just going to buy ingredients for spaghetti was like going to buy a new car or something. It's ridiculous the amount of money you spend at the grocery store. Many of you ladies are going, yep. Some of you men are like, "Uh uh-huh, I understand. Let me just tell you, things aren't getting better. They're getting worse. Things are going to get tight. What are are we going to do? What are are we going to do? Turn to some self-help book? Ooh, run to the library. Got to get self-help books. We got to figure out what's going on and how we can take care of ourselves. Or, or, or maybe we could turn to the government. I don't know why in the world you want to do that, but many do. That's a whole other thing too, but a lot of people are being trained to do that. Why don't we just turn to God and trust Him that He has it all under control and He's there for us. I think we need to remember that the Lord separates the godly unto Himself. The one who has been saved and truly loves the Lord with all his heart, he separates for himself. And you can rest assured that if you're truly sold out for him, and then if you, you have a heart that loves the Lord, and, and you love him with, with, with all your heart, and you're sold out for him, and you're diligently seeking him and, and desiring for his help, that he will hear your prayer. And he'll provide for you exactly when you need it. Exactly when you need it. Not a moment too soon, not a moment too late, right on time. And he'll give you joy that far surpasses anything that this world has to offer you. So don't lose sleep over it. David didn't. Let the Lord cause you to dwell in security and safety. Remembering that true increase only comes from God. I think if all of us would practice this in our lives, we'd be a whole lot better off. I know it was pretty convicting to me. And I hope it's been a help to you tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for examples like this that we can look to. Lord, men like this.